You're listening to Boss Tone Radio. Presented by BossUS.com. Hi, my name's Paul Hansen. Welcome to the sixth edition of Boss Tone Radio. On the line today, we have a really interesting guitarist. He's an old friend of mine. His name is Steve Lynch. Steve and I go way back. I'm not even going to mention how long I've known Steve. (laughs) He's one of those veteran guitarists who's had a huge impact on the whole rock guitar world. He's one of the original innovators of playing the guitar neck with two hands. And in addition to being a really great player, Steve had commercial success with his band Autograph. Autograph had several hits, including the song Turn Up the Radio, which I still hear on classic rock radio these days. Before we get Steve on the line, let's uh, listen to one of his guitar solos. This is called Hammerhead, and this is from the second Autograph album. This is Steve Lynch. Okay, Steve, can you hear me okay? Yep, I'm right here, yeah. Hey, so this has been kind of a crazy year for you. You started a music school in the Seattle area. Right. And, and your house burned down. Yes, <laughs> in that order. <laughs> so how, how are you holding up with all that insanity? Well, I, it's, everything's going fine. I mean, nobody was uh-huh. hurt in the fire. Every, everybody got out okay. Um, uh-huh. I live by myself, and so... I had three bedrooms upstairs, and one of the bedrooms mm-hmm. I had converted into the studio, and what had happened was, it's a townhome, so the next mm-hmm. door neighbor actually caught it on fire, and then it went over into my place, and luckily I was still awake. I was about three o'clock in the morning when it happened, but Boy. I just finished up in the studio, and it was actually my roof that caught on fire from his place, so my whole upstairs was destroyed, and the, the roof caved in, Boy. but um, I was surprised a lot of the firemen were actually running downstairs with my guitars and a lot of my recording gear. <laughs> Man, I can just see all those 
firemen with guitars. Yeah, they were all getting just smoked at damage and water damage. And, oh, yeah. and these yeah. firemen were running them downstairs as fast as they could. And I thought, well, that's really cool. I didn't even know that they would. I guess since, since all the people were safe, the next most important thing would be those really beautiful guitars. You have a cat, too. Yeah, and she got out. Oh, good. She, I mean, she booked as soon as... <laughs> she disappeared for about a week. <laughs> so I couldn't find her, but she was okay. You did eventually find her? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. She's, she's back with me now. Good. So. so how are the guitars looking? How are they holding up? I'm still waiting to hear exactly which ones were salvageable. Uh-huh. Um, they're being worked on at this time, and uh-huh. still waiting to find out exactly which guitars are going to be okay. they got to check to make sure the frets don't start popping out, and the necks don't start warping, and the electronics oh. aren't... Um, Fried. Corroded inside. Yeah. So, How many guitars are being checked out? Uh, there's 20. So what are you playing right now? Well, I had three guitars at the school, and that's oh. where I'm at right now is at the oh, school. Oh, good. Now, I know you use a Roland 2480 hard disk recorder. You know, I think that one fared fairly well. Mm-hmm because I got a report back from the people that are doing my electronic gear, uh-huh. and they said that one didn't look like it got much damage. Huh. I was really happy about that because I have quite a bit of material on that hard drive on that. Oh, that's good. I know the, the Boston rolling gear, it's so indestructible. I remember a few years ago, I think there was a typhoon where they were making the GT6s, and a whole bunch of them ended up underwater. Oh, wow. And uh, when they dried them all out, I guess they all worked. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, this stuff is pretty... Well, now I guess you can say rolling stuff is fireproof. Yeah, really. There you go. So, uh, well, great to hear that you're okay and getting everything back together. Let's talk about Federal Way School of Music, your new music school. Now, you have several teachers working for you. Yeah, there's myself and 15 other teachers, and we have everything. You know, we have viola. Violin, cello, uh, trumpet, trombone, saxophone, flute, clarinet, uh, three <laughs> piano teachers, um, four guitar teachers and a bass teacher. We have a drum and percussion teacher, vocal teacher. So there's, it Dang. runs pretty much the full gamut here. It's a, it's a full-on school. And so you're kind of the boss. Right. I just, <laughs> I'm not really the boss. I just, <laughs> they're just the first person I have to look at when they come in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Music schools in the past are usually started by some... I don't know, kind of guy with... Go ahead, say it, Paul. The more the traditional music teacher, you know? know (laughs) Not the rock star guitar guy. It's usually Professor So-and-so from, I don't know, wherever. It's doing really well? Yeah, it is doing really well. We're getting Mm -hmm. totally booked up right now. So, Steve, you were out there in those big arenas during one of rock's greatest eras. Oh, yeah, during the 80s, the height of the 80s rock area. Yeah, Yeah, you guys toured with with Van Halen and Ozzy and Motley Crue. Do you have any memories of that era that come to mind that you'd like to share? (laughs) Well, I don't remember the Motley Crue tour. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I remember it. It's it's just a bit vague because Uh we were in fifth gear that whole tour. So, Uh Uh, but no, it was a lot of fun. I think the main thing I remember is probably playing Madison Square Garden. That was that was just something that I really had looked forward to. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, it was just like, wow, I'm playing at Madison Square Garden. This is fantastic. Wow. And just when mm-hmm. you're in the audience, it's one thing, you know, when the lights go out and you hear this roar of applause, but when, when you do it and you're the one walking out on stage, it's it's quite the experience. I really enjoyed that. Now, was that with Motley Crue or Van Halen? Well, um, you guys basically toured? all of them. I think by the time we were out with Motley Crue, we were a bit more popular. When we went out mm-hmm. with Van Halen, we were still just a fresh new band. So back in that era, what type of gear did you use mostly? I played through a lot of different amplifiers. We were bringing in different stuff, a lot of different Marshall heads, 
boogies, but probably the majority ended up being Marshall. And in those early autograph days, did you use Boss pedals? Yes, I did. They didn't have the metal zone out then, of course, uh-huh. but they did have that orange overdrive. DS1. In fact, I had one of those that I always would put on in the front of it just to give it an extra boost, because some of the amps they were bringing in, they had a great rhythm sound, but they didn't have quite enough crunch. For yeah. the lead parts, I'd stomp on one of those orange pedals. In fact, I had one of those for, God, it must have been 20 years. Yep, the DS1, that orange boss distortion. Probably the most used pedal of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Satriani, Steve Vai, Kurt Cobain, man, it's that's yeah. the DS1. It's a standard in the industry. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> hey, back to the Van Halen tour. What was that like? Um, that was a real learning experience because none of us had played in that kind of a format, you uh-huh. know, big arenas like that. That was a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. It really made us get our road shoes on mm-hmm. very quickly, let me tell you that, because uh, walking out in front of an audience like that every night that are avid Van Halen fans, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty tough to pull off. But uh, oh, yeah. we did it fine. Everybody liked us really well, and uh, we had a great time doing it. Now, I heard a story that you were asked not to do any tapping, which is your specialty. That was actually from their manager it was uh, it. who had come up to me and, mm-hmm. and said that, that I wasn't allowed to do that, that he knew who I was and he knew mm-hmm. that you know I was getting popularity back in L.A. for doing that, mm-hmm. uh, the two-handed technique. And he says, well, you can't do that on this tour because that's Eddie's thing. you know. And I said, well, yeah. no, I was actually doing it uh, <laughs> before I'd heard about Eddie Van yeah. Halen. I actually got the idea from... Emmett Chapman, who invented the Chapman stick. The stick, yeah. I just learned mm-hmm. all the scales two-handed and all that kind of stuff. And so so that's where that whole thing came from. And then when the first Van Halen came out, I went, wow, that guy's really good, you know, and, and he's mm-hmm. doing that technique too. But there were other people that had done it previous to him. There was, you know, many guitar players who experimented a little bit with that. Now, didn't you talk to Eddie about it at some point? During the tour? Well, yeah. Um, uh-huh. what, I, what happened was I saw him one night after he got done playing, and I pulled him into a room that was backstage. Uh-huh. I don't even know what city it was in, but um, we talked about it. I told him, look, I've been doing this forever. You know, I mean, it's great that when you came out, you know, you you, you were doing it as well, but we're, we're definitely two different entities in this technique, you know, and, and I explained uh-huh. it to him, and, and he said, I don't have a problem with it. He was actually very cool about it at the mm-hmm. very end of Hey, stay tuned for more of Steve Lynch coming up in the second segment of this sixth edition of Boss Tone Radio. Steve's going to talk about his favorite Boss pedals, and Steve's going to get out his guitar and show us a whole bunch of two-handed licks. Stay tuned to Boss Tone Radio. Boss Tone Radio. 